We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast here with my one and only trusty, couldn't do it without him, co-host Jeremy Cohen, uh, looking fashionable in a shirt. If you're if you're listening, I have to describe this to you. Um, the co- the color of the collar on his shirt kind of matches his hair a little bit, a little bit. It's, I think it's yeah, like a burgundy. How would you define your hair color? I think I'm more copper auburn type. Copper. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, when I, I was a kid, I was it was a lot. Potting with an aristocrat. Okay. Well, never, sorry. I that's okay. I mean, listen, I, I try to appeal to the bourgeoisie every now and then. Um, but I, as, as a member of the aristocracy, I do my best to stay above it all. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. This is, uh, my hair was a lot brighter when I was a kid. And because I don't go outside as much. Was it really? Yeah, for sure. It gets darker, oh, wow. okay. especially in the winter. And, uh, you know, I mean, like if you look at my complexion, you can see why I don't go out and why the sun then doesn't hit me as much. So it does. It just gets darker as time goes on. Hopefully I keep it. That's the end goal. Right. Just just. I mean, you've it. seen my daughter's hair color. We've been praying for years that she keeps that hair color. Because yeah, it's, it's great. Like a, it's like a nice strawberry blonde. But she was like more red when she was. OK, uh, for anybody who's still listening, uh, we are actually going to have some Knicks uh, talk here. Uh, first and foremost, before we get to the games, I do want to say what I'm wearing. Shout out to Patrick Ewing. Got my NBA Jam shirt with him and Starks on here. Oh, I was going to say, who's the guy next to Starks? So, (laughs) can we we talk about this for a second? I feel like like we can't not talk about it. Yeah. This is, I get to these. So, first, let me just say, congratulations. The dude won the Big East as coach of Georgetown. Fantastic job. Like, kudos to you. Cool to win it in the garden. The whole thing. 
there are times when shit happens in Nick's land that is very Nixy. And it's very clear that there are two takes. There is the take that you are like, am I defending James Dolan in a way that is not couth? And then there's the other side where you're like, um, wait a minute. Something like I, is, is because Dolan is on one side. Does it automatically automatically make the other side right? And like, I heard, you know, when Ewing said what he said for, for anybody who doesn't know, I don't know how, how you're going to describe it. He got it at the podium after their What was it? Their semifinal win or their quarterfinal win? Whatever. He was their quarterfinal. Qu- what? Yeah. OK, great. Whichever. And he said he said something to the effect of I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of. Uh, security guards here at the garden uh, stopping me and asking for ID. They should know who I am. This is my house. And I'm like, there's a big part of me that heard that. I'm like, is that really the venue and the time and the whatever to to do that? But then I'm like, it's Patrick fucking Ewing. So I say what you're going to say and then let's move on. But yeah, let's talk about it briefly. I thought at first it was kind of tongue in cheek. Just the idea of... Oh, maybe. Okay. Like, you know, where he meant it. I always believe that there is a kernel of truth to every single joke. And so he doesn't put that out there just being like, ha ha, just, I don't mean it whatsoever. He meant it. He absolutely felt that he shouldn't have to be stopped at every corner. I'm sure that that can be frustrating no matter what, especially if you have been recognized repeatedly in the past for the, um, you know, the positive things you've contributed to that team and that, that arena. I also think maybe the fact that there are masks there, it's a little bit more challenging, perhaps. Obviously, you could say, well, like the dude's 6'10", and it's not too hard to figure out who that is, especially if you do your homework. Like, oh, there are all these people who are coming, and Patrick Ewing's one of them. But again, there are all these people that are going in and out of buildings. And yeah. again, like I, it sucks that I kind of have to look to this person to say it. But Isola made an interesting point when he brought up that even James Dolan has had issues getting into his own building in the past. And I just don't think it's a personal thing. I, look, I can't speak well, for Pat. Obviously, he did. He spoke for himself. But this but idea like, think well, about what would have needed to take place for it to be personal. That would mean Dolan right. would have to go to a security people and be like, make sure when you see Patrick Ewing, fuck with him extra. Exactly. Like, that's like we all know Dolan has his shit that's uh, no one i'm not about well, neither of us are about to sit on here and defend james dolan that's not uh, th- this podcast but like do we really think that's what's going on here I, it, yeah and for people who get their kicks off for all the like oh my god nicks jokes the L- the lol nicks whatever you want to call it like first of all the two are not necessarily connected at least not directly because this didn't really have anything to do with the Knicks. it had everything to do with james dolan who you know owns a ton of arenas he owns the rangers he He's in real estate and entertainment. Um, but the other thing is it just goes to show how little there has been in terms of negative coverage on the Knicks where it's like piranhas just or, or you know, smelling blood in the water of some sort, like a shark, finding this, this story and just running with it. Like I saw someone tweet about how I was like, haha, this is why. And he was a blue check Twitter personality of sorts, like saying this is why Knicks fans don't deserve happiness, something along those lines. That's and it's just like you're sick. telling me that that because of one incident that had to do with a security system, which isn't the Knicks at all. I guess if you want to reevaluate the, the um, procedures and the protocol that is at MSG, that's worth doing, but to connect it to the basketball team, it's just a completely different situation because again, like you wouldn't say, well, this is why the Rangers are losing right and left, even though they beat the Bruins the other day, which was nice. 
It's just like you're, Go Rangers. you're putting it towards basketball and the Knicks because that's the easy move to make and it's just not necessary. So I hope I'm glad Pat won as well. That's really awesome. And I hope that he is certainly recognized more in MSG, but it just seemed like something that felt innocuous and just turned into something bigger and we can hopefully move past it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to move past it. Um, so let's, let's do that right now. Um, sorry if you were expecting a half an hour on this very, what I think is a silly uh, issue. Let's talk about the Knicks. Um, I don't usually do this, but I want to start by asking our predictions last week. We only predicted the two games, right? So you, and you took uh, one and one, didn't you? I did. You son of a bitch. What well, did you were I bold with the two and oh. I said two and oh. Okay. Um, I mean, I, what are we supposed to think after these two games? They came out and they played like absolute dog shit for one game. And then they came out and actually they did play like dog shit for about a quarter and a half. And then, they, and then they're like, Oh wait, we should, we actually need to try against this team. And, and to the Knicks credit, um, I watched, I don't know if you caught um, any of the game. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday at, at quarter after five right now. The Thunder played again today, second night of back-to-back against the Grizzlies. They had Shea Gilgis-Alexander back, but they didn't have Lou Dort. Not that Lou Dort is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but Lou Dort looked pretty good to me. Um, and they beat the Grizzlies by, I think the final score was like they beat them by 10 or, or more points. Um, so, you know, is it that embarrassing that they came out and they were down to the Thunder by, I think they were down 11 at one point and down eight midway through the second quarter? No. Um, I Personally, I'm taking from it that it was a more impressive win than it was an unimpressive start to the game. And I would very much like to leave the Bucks game to the side and just be like, it happened. It's a thing. How, how are you taking the start to the second half? About even killed, you know, I mean, considering how I was expecting, I, I don't think I was expecting the Bucks to win by 33. I thought maybe it'd be a 15 game maybe yeah. 20, but 33 is a lot. I think that with Randall at the end of the day with him, he's yeah. admitted there are slow starts with him after long breaks. So it makes sense why he would be a little sluggish and the bucks happen to have a great player who can defend him with ease. And when you see other guys, maybe not getting it going as much, then that's all a factor. But with the thunder as well, it was definitely nice to see after, I think it was what, like 71, 70% from the floor in the first quarter that they led up to the, the thunder sounds about right. Um, recognizing, you know, we are a better team than this. They are a team that has Lou Dort, Al Horford, and a lot of just young, unproven players. And yeah. it was really fascinating to see. Uh, I didn't watch the game, but I was following it a bit because I have a vested interest in teams around where the Mavericks are in the hopes that they win enough games where that Mavericks pick doesn't wind up being, you know, like God bless you, a late first. I love, you. I love your energy and your belief and your spirit where this pick is concerned. Well, my spirit is definitely dampened at the idea of how easy their schedule has become. And if they can storm into a place like Denver and just control the game. But the Mavericks are a different story. For the Thunder, seeing Poku go off today after yeah. his miserable performance against the Knicks, it just kind of feels like, well, the Knicks caught a break in more ways than one. And it was adjustments that were made specifically in the second half. And... Yeah just keeping it together and creating this opportunity where it's like, I, I feel you're asking me how I feel after these two games, the same as I was before, I more confused and less confused. I like, <laughs> I was expecting this result, but yeah. within the game itself, there were just areas where I'm like, I, 
I don't really know where we're left off, except for that. I want to see more of Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett and Julius Randall together. I think, yeah, I think that's the takeaway for all of us. And, and I think we should say like, look, um, we don't need to, another topic. We don't need to talk about a lot on this podcast. Alfred Payton, because who doesn't love to hear about Alfred Payton? Like, there, there are obviously a, a large subset of Nick fans. I shouldn't even call them a subset. A, a majority, I, probably a majority, who would like to never see Alfred Payton play basketball for the Knicks again. Um, except in this game, like, could you argue that maybe they could have used him a little bit? Um, I maybe, maybe not. Frank had, you know, he played seven minutes. He was benched for the rest of the game. Um, we'll touch on that later. But like, they essentially played this game with, uh, I want to say a kind of like a seven man rotation, because if you take out Frank, which didn't, we didn't see him again after the first seven minutes, at which point they had scored seven points. Um, and then on the bench, you had quickly, you had Burks and you had Taj Gibson, like Toppin's minutes were, I was going through the film before. And again, we'll touch on him later too. Um, forgettable. So really it's like they, they won this game with seven guys. So I, you know, I think that's impressive ish even against the thunder on the road afternoon game, different times on the whole thing. Like I'll take it. Yeah. And of those seven, the three that carried them were one was an all-star and the other two were 21 and 20 years old. So it's great. You know, and especially when you see a team like the thunder where they're doing something a little similar, they're going through their own rebuild. It's a different situation. They were missing more key pieces. I would, argue specifically their best player. And they also yeah. were without George Hill. And I think they were without Darius Basley. Right. Uh, so, they were without Basley. Yeah. Basley. Thank you. So Basley, Basley. I don't know. I think, no, I think it is Basley. So, but the idea of it being, you know, like the Knicks are also somewhat depleted themselves, not having Mitchell Robinson was a, a key factor. They don't have Derek Rose and, you know, hopefully he's okay. He's been out for quite a bit of time, more so than, you know, other players who might be in the yeah. protocol, but Again, it's like this ability to kind of rise up above that and get these necessary wins because we've certainly talked about the schedule and winning that Thunder game. I mean, losing it would have felt like a huge stab in the heart. Oh, I I actually, we don't need to talk about it because they they won it, but like had they lost that game and then lost these next two, um, which we'll we'll get to that. It's again um, on the road in Brooklyn, and then um, without Durant, and then um, on the road in Philly without Embiid. So we'll see if maybe they could steal one of those. Um, but boy, you want to talk about very very uh, quickly? No pun intended. Uh, flushing all the good vibes from the first half of the season down the toilet. I feel like now is it possible if they get blown out in the next two games and don't and look like they did against the Bucks? Is it possible we're sitting here next week and still? talking about a similar situation absolutely um let's let's stay positive and hope that um you know they, it was a more of a wake-up call than anything and like i think they could lose the next two and it'd still be all right but i think the, the, we we're both in agreement that f- whether it's they win 12 games the rest of the season or 14 or 16 or whatever it is there just needs to continue to be that positivity and we don't devolve into something other than positivity Right. Yeah. And I truthfully, the Knicks could get blown out against the Nets and the Sixers. And I'd still understand because then you would, you'd look at the four games after the, it depends how it happens. Like if those teams were like lighting it up, if if Brooklyn came in and like lit lit it up from three, right. And like Kyrie and and Harden were like making shot after shot after shot. What can you do against that? Right. Right. I mean, well, KD went off 
against the Knicks the first time they played yeah. at MSG. So that was obviously, you know, you're catching a break by not seeing him, but they're yeah. rolling pretty nicely. And the Sixers are still a very good team, even without Embiid. Yeah. So I don't know if I look, looking at the four games and feeling like, oh, we went 0-4 against three of the best teams in the East and you know, the Thunder who are trying to tank to their best of their abilities, but sometimes they're screwing it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or versus the idea of like, Going one and three, you had a great win in Oklahoma City, and the other three losses were against the top three teams in the East. So what do we expect? You know, I'd love to see the Knicks beat the Sixers, I think, honestly, more than the Nets to a degree. And I know that some people might think, well, like, that's silly. It's Brooklyn. Well, I would like to see Ben Simmons lose a game to the Knicks. That has never happened. (laughs) So just seeing him win, seeing him lose once would be kind of nice and would reinforce also with Philadelphia, like, how good are they with or without Joel Embiid, we know how good they are with him, but without him for a longer stretch, just as a basketball fan, I'm very curious to see how they progress. So, you know, these games, it's just, you take the good with the bad. I know that's kind of a, an empty statement, but it's nice to see at least the trajection of how these, the trajectory, excuse me, of how. I was about to say, trajectory. I, 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 I kind of like that. Projection and trajectory. No, that's a time. great word. We think we've, that's a, that should be a word if it's not. Trajection. There we go. Trajection. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like I like where you're at. Two quick things, and we'll, this is actually a good transition to uh, our progress report. Um, in terms of where the Knicks are at, and like winning and losing, and like what the record's going to be, I just want to point out that right now, actually, this I did this before the Thunder game uh, today, and it, obviously before of all of uh, Sunday night's games as well. Um, the the net ratings for the NBA right now from nine to 22 and the Knicks are 15 as I'm looking at this right now. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 teams are between a positive 1.2 and a negative 1.4. So essentially half the league is in this juicy middle where there's really like two or three games, one way or the other. It's like, you're, you're, you know, and, and then I cut it off there because um, the Bulls are at the bottom of that with a negative 1.4. The team after them is the Pistons at negative 3.8. So big drop off. And then above the Memphis Grizzlies, who were before today, again, at plus 1.2, Philadelphia 76ers at plus 4.4. So um, big jump. So that's, you know, the Knicks are in that group. They're not going to get out of that group. I don't think there's any trade that's going to get them out of that group. They, they are where they are. Um the other reason I'm excited to see the Sixers game is because last time these two teams played, um, second game of the season, Ben Simmons had his way with one um, Rowan. Uh, Rowan, I always get this is Rowan, Rowan Barrett Jr. Not Ro- I always want to say Rowan James is it, Barrett. Isn't Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. Rowan Alexander Barrett, Jr. and then the J is the Rowan Jr. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Rowan yeah. Alexander Barrett Jr. That makes sense. But I don't know why I always want to throw James in there. Um, anyway, Simmons kind of shut him down uh, that game. He was, like, I think visibly frustrated by Simmons guarding him. And I want to see now um, them get a chance to play each other once again. Since, um, as we start off our progress report, R.J. Barrett is playing definitively the best basketball of his career to the point that the last – week and a half now that we have these additional two games of evidence on top of the great finish to the first half of the season. Um, it's kind of making me reevaluate him as a 
prospect, as a play, I just everything's up in the air now. And it's so wonderful. So yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, it's incredible. The ability, and this happened even last year too. It's a harder to determine because of the sample sizes with COVID kicking in, but his difference between before the all-star break and then after the all-star break were mm-hmm. night and day. And if we're seeing that it's not even night and day to this degree because he was much better at the first half of this year than he was the first half of last year. Oh yeah, for sure. But the opportunity where, yes, of course it's only through two games, but his ability to just impact the game in so many ways. And it seems like you're, you're seeing some sort of leap of its own right now is fantastic. I mean, the thing that stood out to me the most for the thunder game was he went nine of 12 at the rim, which for RJ is really important because he was very below average. He's certainly better this year, but his ability to work lower and as he gets stronger, and especially as he builds his case of being a good shooter and good player all over or all around, he'll get those calls. And so the misses that we might see are then lessened because, oh, hey, he's getting to the line even more. I think he went, what, five of seven from the free throw line? Uh, so, yeah, and he's uh, – I'll pull up his uh, free throw percentage in a second. I believe it's at 73% for the season. Um, right. Yeah, I'll get that right now. And that's not great, but it's it's showing 72.1. Yeah, I mean, look, he was at he was at 60 – in the low 60s last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 100%. I'm just um, – I was – as you were talking, I'm uh, pulling up. So, for anybody who doesn't know, Cleaning the Glass, uh, great website – has the ability for you to see um, a player's 10 game rolling average in like several uh, different um, metrics. And if you look at RJ Barrett's effective field goal percentage from the start of the season until now, it's like, it's like not upward the whole time. There was a bit of a dip after like right before that, um, the the stretch of games that I want to say like ended with the Warriors game where he went that was the game he went one for eight or one for nine right so it was like the five or six or seven games or so before that it was a little bit of a dip but for the most part this has been on the way up the entire year it's been really really good um, for anybody who doesn't know by the way he, RJ Barrett had a career high uh, thirty two points on Saturday so I got a trivia question for you you're not going to get this but I'm going to ask it anyway so I grouped since January 1st um, all players in the NBA, the National Basketball Association, who had taken at least 103 point attempts. Um, And I noticed that Mr. Barrett is tied exactly with one other player who has taken the exact same amount of attempts and has the exact same amount of makes. Can I get a hint? Comes from a good family. Comes from a good family. Is it the way you say it? I'm I'm almost tempted to say one of the ball brothers. Uh, It's your different wrong, wrong brothers. So it is a set of brothers, but not the ball brothers. <laughs> not balls. Is it the Holiday Brothers? <laughs> wow, you're really no. It's not the Holiday Brothers. There are too many brothers. It's not the Lopez Brothers. 
No, it's not the Lopez brothers. This this person. So both Barrett and this person have taken since January 1st, 173 point attempts and made 44 for a percentage of 41.1. It's not an answer to Kumpo. I can't. You're going to. I mean, I'll just tell you. I'm just running through all the brothers that are in this league and I can't. The disrespect. Okay, comes from a really good family. I'm just. I'm trying to think of these brothers. They're it's all... not just the brothers. Dad, too. Oh, wow. You're going to look. You're just going to. I'm just making you look bad. We're going to have to edit this out. That's that's right. No, we'll keep it in. Keep it in. Because I the people need to see that I don't know everything. <laughs> they should have known that before. But now they, they can <laughs> see it with their own eyes and their own ears. <laughs> Was anybody listening to this podcast saying, like, Jeremy knows. I thought Jeremy knew everything. Um, no, that would be Seth Curry. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and Seth so Curry yeah. had COVID too. So the fact that he's able to perform, he, he was struggling initially. That also goes to yeah. show how hot he was. That before his COVID, he was just on fire. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that makes exactly. more sense. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. So they're they're both um, in that range. And then just looking at like the other guys. So guys immediately ahead of uh, Barrett in this in these rankings, Jokic. And then a holiday, oddly enough, Justin Holiday, um, Anthony Simons, good player, um, Jeff Green, Steph Curry, Gordon Hayward, Chris Middleton. And then if you're just, you know, if you want to have some fun with it, we could go through the other stats like free throws, assists, rebounds. And sure enough, you look at the, the well-rounded game that RJ is showing. And I think I did this like across the columns, I'm like, who has at least this many of all of these different things? And at some point, I think it was just him, Jokic, and Middleton um, in terms of just across the board production since January 1st, which is like, you know, th- these are the conversations. Like, he's not there yet, but he's, it feels like he's, he's, he's on the come up, you know? Yeah. I remember there was some stat. It was like a compilation of things that, it had in Middleton, Jokic, and I think Vucevic were the other guy was okay. the other guy that was involved, and it had something to do with the three point percentage, the points, rebounds, yeah. I think the assists as well, the field goal percentage as well. So, I mean, all this for twenty year old, it is impressive. We, I love one of my favorite things is seeing all of these cherry picked uh, stats involving RJ that are positive because like to me, it just makes my heart grow because I love seeing a player on my team being able to do that. So I like the parameters. I don't really care if you make him look good, I'll take it. But (laughs) just seeing all of that and the company that he's with, it's hard not to think well with his work ethic and the team that they've built around him. And I don't just mean on the court. I mean, the development staff that they have and hopefully of course on the team as a whole with the personnel, the ability to, make him better a year after having the worst spacing, I think objectively in the NBA, Mm -hmm. it's tremendous. Not having to think of him as how do we build around RJ, but instead of how do we build with RJ in that sense? Um, And that to me is nothing wrong with that. No, building with RJ as opposed to around RJ. It's just like the, just the context being like, okay, well clearly this dude has some flaws. So how are we going to get around them with shooting being one of them? And now he's showing, well, he's at least showing signs of being an average shooter. And if you look at some of his percentages, there are signs of it being positive. Of course, he's not being efficient this year. He still has a way to go in terms of at the rim, but those are things that you 
can see improving over time. And we're seeing it in real time, especially with the three-point percentage. He's finding open looks, but he's also finding the spots that he knows works for him. And he has a point forward in Randall who knows exactly where he'll be. Um, that was another thing where before RJ got to 32, I think he was at 27 or 29, and RJ was standing in the corner. Randall was clearly looking at him, trying to get him the ball so he could get to uh, 30. Yeah. And right as he's about to pass it, Randall's fouled right at the rim. So, like, having someone with that type of vision is crucial to his development, to the team's success, everything. So, got to love it with him. We should say also for as much as it felt last year, like Randall was freezing more Peyton than Randall for sure. But it also felt at times like Randall was freezing RJ out um, five of Randall's uh, 12 assists um, against the thunder on Sunday. We went to RJ Barrett. You'll love to see it spoke after the game, which you alluded to that he was trying to get RJ to 30. Uh, there is a kinship developing between those guys and it's obvious. And then the one, the one other thing I want to point out where RJ is concerned is he was asked, um, on Friday by one of the beat guys about why um, he was taking less free throws this year. And his, his answer was that he's like, I'm not forcing it as much around the rim. I'm looking to do other stuff, which is like, like that's, that's okay. That's an acceptable answer. Um, I would there, I do still feel like that is the next step in his progression to, I, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Um, be selective, but also when you're down there, learn how to get calls more. Um, but whatever, it's fine. He's a 20 year old. Um, which is why for as much as like, yes, a lot of these cherry pick stats are there, but they're not like random, like, um, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, this player has played this many minutes and has like this, you know, many like offensive rebounds at like this height or so like nonsense. Like there there's meaningful stuff. And then when you when you look at the age related stats, I would say, uh, well, those don't mean as much, except for the fact that we are now seeing real progress from 19 to 20. So the fact that he is just 20 and we have just seen the progress means it is OK to project more progress at 21, 22, 20. You know, it, it, it's all good. There's nothing, nothing bad. Let's uh, hit a couple other guys real quick. Uh, quickly, another 20 point game. Um, you want another quiz? Let's do it. Hopefully I'll get this one right. Um well, you're not going to get this one. <laughs> Great. Okay. I'm bracing for 0-2, but at least I'll feel better about this one, maybe. 
Um, you will, I don't know. You probably won't. Um, so this was Emmanuel quickly's 35th game. I'm, I'm stealing something from tomorrow's newsletter, but what the hell? Um, this was his 35th career game. And in those 35 career games, this was his eighth game, um, off the bench. Cause all of them have been off the get- bench, uh, scoring 20 or more. Um, I'll give you an, e- an easy version of the question. What, what rank is that, um, throughout NBA history in terms of rookies first 35 games. Um, how many games scoring 20 or more off the bench? How many are there in total just for context? Well, no. So he has eight. So I'm asking you, is that right. like first place ever? Is that third oh, place ever? Yeah, is that 10th like, place ever? Yeah. Very long list. I'm going to say. Like how many guys do you think have scored more than eight 20 point games off the bench in their first 35 games as a pro? As a rookie, I think it's probably a very small amount. So let's go with fifth. Um, he is second, tied for second. So the only player with more is the immortal Jeff Ruland, two-time All-Star Jeff Ruland, uh, once traded for Moses Malone, and quickly is tied uh, for second place uh, with for, with two other players, John Long, um, who's not a player I'm familiar with, and Rex Chapman, another Kentucky guy, um, who was not a bad cop. And he's listened to some of the players who are um, just below him. Ben Gordon, remember him. Tyler Hero, not a, not a terrible name. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has uh, five, so he's, he's a little bit further down the list. Kuzma, Reggie Miller is on this list. Reggie Miller came off the bench to start his career. So it's like, you know, you see some of, the, some of these names, and it's, it's kind of cool. Um, just, I think being grouped with Long John Silver and anything is pretty awesome. But <laughs> You got me with that one. Yeah. I just, the, the that is, that's a good list. I, you know, one of those names I particularly despise, not quite in the level that I'm sure you do because I was barely alive when it happened with no one. He's always going to be my least favorite basketball player. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Someone's coming to say hi. Um, so I'm going to, as I try to um, occupy my, my daughter for a moment. Um, do you want to say anything about Frank and Obi for a sec? Um, sure. I would say that with Obi, you know, just didn't really have it. These two games did not work out for him. It was pretty much overmatched. The Milwaukee game was just a game to forget completely for him. And you hope obviously to see him get more minutes as the season, or at least this week moves on. But do we, I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity, especially as games get tighter and tighter as the season goes on. I'm like, like it does his leash get longer when you are likely to endure more losses, because I don't think it does. I just have to say he's at the point where he's waving to you. You can wave to him. Um, Obi's at the point where it's starting to like watching him. It you, you, for me, at least I'm watching these minutes and I'm actively asking myself, is he helping us win games right now with his minutes? And then I ask myself, would Kevin Knox be helping them win these games more if he was given those minutes instead of Obi? And then I'm like, well, obviously Knox is not going to get those minutes because Knox is um, yesterday's stale bread and Obi Toppin was picked eighth in the draft, um, whatever, how many months ago. And then I'm like, well, but that's okay. You want to invest in the guy you just picked eighth in the draft. And then I go back again and I'm like, well, how old is Kevin Knox again versus how old? And then this is where we don't want to be. This is the bad place. This is, (laughs) this is not, and it's just all bad. So yeah. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, I was actually just before we started recording, watching some of Last Chance You, the basketball 
on Netflix. I don't know if you do have time considering you have a family and a newborn. Oh, I thought but- I was on mute when she was... <laughs> Sorry about that. No, there's nothing to apologize for. Um, but the the idea of seeing these kids who are in Juco. And I haven't been watching it yet, but I want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to look at them. And obviously, Obi did not have quite that path. But given the fact that he's 23 years old and he's a rookie, and these guys are all, they have to be in community college for two years in the hopes to get a scholarship of some sort. So it just kind of, it, it makes you maybe just a little bit more sympathetic to the time that it takes for a player like Obi, but I don't see him getting the necessary time that it would take right now, because I'm sure that while they do care about his development, they're more willing to sacrifice, you know, a few games of time that he might have because they're more interested in having a playoff push. And they could say, well, he can develop by being a playoff like atmosphere for a play in, but other than that, I don't really know what opportunities he'll have. I, so, again, I think he'll play. It's just I don't think his role is going to be quite as known in for I, I just, quite some time. I am – Emmanuel quickly is clearly going to benefit long-term for his career by being in the environment that hopefully he is going to be in for the rest of this year. There is zero question about that because when Emmanuel quickly goes out there – even if he is actively making mistakes, even if he is actively having dreadful games, like we've seen him have on occasion this year, where he's gone one for 10 on a few, whatever it's been, those will be invaluable minutes versus if he was on a team like the Cavs playing for fuck nothing this year. Obi, if he has those minutes and he's still in this offensive role that's not we all know this is not his long-term offensive role, whether, whether him getting more exposure to like spotting up for three is in his long-term best interest. Maybe we could have that conversation, but like him going out there and kind of flailing, um, you know, defensively and, and just kind of being out of sorts. Like, again, it's okay. Let him work through it. It's 10, 12 minutes a game. It's not, I, I can't, we can't look at any game and say, Obi call Obi Toppin's minutes caused them to lose that game. So I'm not, and even if it, it such a game did happen, it's not the end of the world. But it's just, you know, something to pay attention to um, moving forward. And it's just, it was on my mind, which is why I you know, wanted to talk about it. Um, should we finish up as we've already gone past where we, we said we were going to be? Um, just one quick thing about Frank, I guess. Oh, yeah, Frank. Sorry. Oh, my God. The forgotten about, man. I'm like, I'm like um, Tibbs. I forgot about Frank. I, if Tibbs forgot to put him back in the game, I forgot about Frank. Yeah. You know, I was talking with Chris Persianen yesterday during halftime, and he'd asked about, is Frank squandering an opportunity? And I said, no, I don't think he is just because he's an emergency point guard. That's, that's not his role. It's pretty clear that he's not going to be a lead ball handler. But then afterwards, I was kind of thinking about it. And I was like, well, I mean, here's the thing. He didn't have a productive afternoon. He certainly, it wasn't great that he had to go to the bench with two quick fouls and of course, the Knicks were able to piece it together otherwise. And then the game, what? the When he, I'm blanking on the game, where he drew the quick foul. Was it, it was Milwaukee, wasn't it? Um, where he drew the quick foul at the end of the first quarter. Oh, yes. yes and then yes, he missed yes, free yes. throws. And, you know, like those kind of things were, and then he was held scoreless for the rest of the night. So it's not like he's missing the opportunity to be a point guard because that ship has sailed. It's more the idea of, what can he continue to do to carve out a role? Because as much as I, and I know you love him, it's this thought process of, okay, well, we're right now 11 days away from the trade deadline. 
is he a piece that another team might want? And I'd love to keep him here. I'd love to have him long-term, but if he's not here moving forward, then I would like to get something out of the former eighth overall pick than nothing. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, he, we'll probably... he could be the former 48th overall pick. It wouldn't right. make a damn difference. As far exactly. As it, it's more just the idea of wanting to take that value and turn it into something. But Frank is no longer that pick. He is Frank. That's I just, what he's become. I so, just, it, it, uh, it, this may be unfair, but it, it sure does feel like when he starts, it's just, it doesn't usually go well. Yeah, I, as I a don't point guard, a when, when, he, yeah. when he starts as a point guard, which is, I think, pretty much all we've ever seen him start. I don't think he's ever really started as a maybe uh, some was, meaning, meaningless games here and there. Wasn't it the first, I mean, going way back, like the first game or two, two seasons ago when it was what, like, oh, yes, yes, yeah. Oh, he was God, starting on the wing that? for a few games when he, and then when he started the, the bench. Starting small forward Frank, how can I forget yep. it? And who was <laughs> the starting, um, oh, God, who's well, Trey, uh, Trey Burke? Yeah, Trey yep. Burke started point guard. That's right. Um, yeah, I, um, we'll see. Um, I, he just, if if nothing else, and for anybody who doesn't know, um, Tibbs went with quickly to start the second half on Saturday. It is so blatantly obvious at this point that Tibbs is not keeping quickly out of the starting lineup because he doesn't believe in him or he doesn't think he's going to be a helpful player. He just very, he wants him to be able to prop up that bench unit. And you saw it in the second half with how Tibbs distributed the minutes because he was really scratching and clawing to make sure he always kept two of, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is the case, but it felt like two of RJ quickly and Randall were always on the court for that second half. Or if it wasn't, it was, you know, maybe a 30 second stretch here or there. Um, Okay. Speaking of Randall um, now we could, now we can finish up. So I wanted to have a very, very quick discussion. We're not anywhere close to being there yet, but um, I was thinking about all NBA um, this week because over the last several days um, and full disclosure, Brian Windhorst's uh, hoop collective podcast made me think about this because they just had a whole discussion about how Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis are both cons- still going to be out for a while. So Davis is going to get reevaluated in um, it's actually two weeks from yesterday or two weeks from Saturday. So he will miss at a minimum 24 games um, this season. So that is a third of the year. Kevin Durant, as we sit here right now, has already missed 20 games this season and is going to get, I believe it's reevaluated later this week, uh, something to that effect. So why do I bring this up on a Knicks podcast? Um, Because Julius Randle, I do believe, is competing for an All-NBA spot, and those guys are both forwards who are ostensibly competing with him. And I'm just wondering if it's getting to the point where if how many games do those guys need to miss for for, for a voter to look at the situation and be like, shit, Randle's clearly the Knicks' best player. He's played every game. Um, He doesn't have – there's no James Harden, Kyrie Irving, or LeBron James on the Knicks – um, I don't know. And then, um, la- last thing before I, I turn it over to you to get your thoughts on this, I think Kawhi, Giannis, and LeBron are hundred percent safe. I think Paul George pretty safe. What do you, uh, you right? Paul George probably safe. So. All, Especially yeah. cause the record and he plays with Kawhi. Yeah. Maybe um, more like third team, but yes. Yeah. Um, so then that leaves Randall. Let's put AD and uh, KD to the side for a second. I think that leaves Randall fighting it out with uh, Tatum, um, Jimmy Butler, and Zion. Um, 
And I think you could yeah. maybe throw in Sabonis as well. I wouldn't. I think that Randall is ahead of Sabonis, but I could see that idea of him being right now. He's he's ahead of him, but if yeah. things could, yeah. Well, here's the thing: if he doesn't play as well as Sabonis the rest of the year, then he's not in contention. I'm just I'm right. trying to imagine a scenario where let's say he plays at the current level he's been at all year, or maybe even a slightly a little bit better. Um, I think this is a real discussion. That's all I wanted to make the point of. I think this is a real conversation. Yeah. The other question, of course, is the idea of positions because, you know, is Luka Doncic going to be considered a guard? He was if a he guard is, on the all-star ballot. Right. Then same with Simmons. Perfect. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So if those guys are not considered forwards, then that's a huge, you know, step in the right direction for someone like Randall. But yeah, that's the thing. I don't know what, Randall can necessarily do unless it's the Knicks winning. And I don't say that to begrudge Randall. It's just this idea of where I feel like Randall, it's this level of respect that's almost kind of absent where I I don't know for us, it feels like, you know, obviously Randall's made this huge jump, but just from the, from where I'm sitting, it just doesn't feel like there has been that much excitement about, who Randall is and what he's been able to accomplish. And with all that being said, it's like, well, why not? The transformation he's had at the age of 26 years old feels like he should be in that spot. But I think that the the voters just, they very much go by name brand and recognition. And they feel like the best players I agree. are the ones who have the biggest names because they carry the sport. And it's to me, it's like, well, how is Julius Randall going to sneak in to the third spot when someone like Zion is elevated to starting the all-star game when I don't think he necessarily should have. So the league has thrust these players into our faces to such a degree where it doesn't feel like Randall can elevate his case, even though he's doing such a great job. And that is what concerns me about him being on the ballot. I agree with you. I think if I was to put a percentage chance on it right now, I would put it at like 5% if I'm being honest, because I think, so much like AD and KD would need to basically miss even more. Cause I think honestly, if like Durant came back and he only missed the third of the season, I think he would get in over Randall, even if Randall played every game. Yeah. Um, Just look at how he was performing even before Harden yeah, came along. He was absolutely. an MVP caliber player. Yes. hundred percent. Just a matter um, of now how they weigh super teams, but they haven't had a problem weighing super teams in the past with the Warriors. And, and, and we've seen all NBA in the past, Guys who are at the top, top, top echelon get that benefit of the doubt. And Durant is there and Anthony Davis is there. So they need to miss a lot more games. Zion would probably need to get rested. And the well, basically the Pelicans would need to fall out of it. And then they would maybe sit Zion down the stretch to preserve his 375 pound frame. Um <laughs> And I think one of, I would guess one of either the Heat or the Celtics would need to have like a a disaster second half of the season and would just kind of like fell out of the playoff race. And the Knicks would need to finish with like the six seed or the five seed. And Randall, you know, led like so much would need to happen. It's, but then it's, the Wizards, I'm pretty confident, are going to finish with a worse record than the Knicks. And yeah, but that's what he feels going to. Right. But yeah. it's the position factor, which again, I think is kind of dumb in itself, but also I, that's the star factor of it where you have. I an, wonder if he gets in, Beal. I think he will. I. Can we do this real quick? We, sure. Are we allowed to just talk very briefly about this? Hold yeah, of on. Course. I'm going to pull up my 
I, you know me, I love this shit. Um, hold on, I'm pulling up my standings. So automatics, uh, as of right now, are Lucas, Steph, Dame, um, Harden. Right, those four are automatic. I think so. Okay. Yep. Um, Kyrie, not not an automatic. Ben Simmons, fringe, yeah. Ben Simmons, not an automatic. Um. Has Jimmy Butler been a guard or a no forward? forward? That's the part of the problem. Right. He's going to be competing with Randall. Um, you got both Phoenix guys. You got oh Donovan Mitchell. Like, are they really? I don't know about that though. I'm really not sure if Donovan Mitchell is going to get that spot. And the funny thing is, the last time I checked, he the Jazz actually perform worse with him oh, on I, the court than they do off. I don't. And they are, but here's the thing: they are elite when he is on the court and they are even more elite when he's off the court. So if the wizards are a bottom five team and the jazz are have the best record in the league, you really think they're, they're not going to, I don't know. Unless, Again, like, unless, unless they give one of the center spots, which they probably will to go bear to, they give their team center to go bear. People just don't care about Utah. That's the thing. Whether it's right or wrong. They just, even LeBron said it I, himself. The, there was a yeah. reason the last two players picked were that was so shitty. Utah. By the way, I can't believe he actually yeah. said those words. Um, I I could see him getting it. I think he'll probably wind up competing with Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell. And I actually think he would probably get in over unless well, if Booker. If here's the thing, here's another one. If Phoenix, Phoenix is second best in the West. I think as of right now, they have the I, yeah. third best record in the league. Yeah. Chris You're not going to give them one of the NBA spots? If Chris yeah. Paul, I mean, I could see Chris Paul getting over Devin Booker in the sense where Chris Paul, whether he's better or not, I disagree. I think that you, it'd be Booker is right now the, the better player where their careers are. But you could say like, well, the, the Suns were a Chris Paul away yeah. from being what they are. And so as a, as a result, then it's kind of like, well, we gave third All-NBA to Chris Paul. He is the head of the association in terms of the yes. NBPA. Yeah the pride that he would have and being named to the third team again, I could see it yeah. because Booker was an injury replacement and everyone yeah. don't, went crazy over it. And yeah. They didn't even want to play. That'd be interesting. This would be a, a fun rest of the year. Um, okay. We've, uh, we've talked for a while. This was good. I, I'm, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, predictions. Okay. So we, we only need to predict this week. Um, and this week, the New York Knickerbockers play. All right. Monday at Brooklyn. Tuesday at Philly. Oh my God. Fucking brutal. Monday at Brooklyn. Tuesday at Philly. Um, Thursday, there are Orlando at home. And then let's do Sunday because we'll let's do Sunday in case we record before that. Um, Philadelphia at home. Um, Embiid will still be out. For that one, so you, we got a four game. Sl- yes, what's can up? I, can I press the ice button? Can you press the ice button? Yeah. If you could figure out how to do that, sure. <laughs> and now you got two of them. Now I got two. Now I got two. Uh, man, and boy, does one of them poop a lot. Let me tell you. Um, but that's that, I'm told that is what they do. Okay, Everybody so poops. <laughs> that's the name of a book. Yes, it is. Actually, I was in Target the other day. So I came across a book, the title of which was um, something along the lines of like, what are these funny sounds coming out of my butt? It's it's something absurd like that. 
And I, I, te- I uh, took a picture of it and I texted it to my dad and I said, somebody wrote a book about you. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you go first um, with your prediction. Um, I'm going to go you one. You thinking about saying one. Yeah, I was about to yeah, say. Yeah, I can't go 0 and 4. But those Orlando oh. games are deceptively tough. They're the Orlando has been the ultimate trap team, in my opinion, this year. For both games, they've either yeah, been. Yeah, but, but they owe them one now. And they're at home for those. True, which is why I think that's ultimately the game they win. But see, here's here's what I was about to say. You did me a favor because I would have been choosing between one and three and two and two. Here's what's dangerous about that. If they win the Philly, if they lose Brooklyn and win the first Philly game, then Orlando's a prime letdown game. And then you have to face Philly again, who's coming off just having lost to you. And that's if they actually beat Philly. If they start off 0-2 versus Brooklyn and Philadelphia, then it's like, yeah. So, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll take 2-2. Two two. I'm, I'm happy happy to take 2-2. Two two. Um, but I think 1-3 and three was probably the smart play. Well, I hope you win. I, in fact, I hope the Knicks go 4-0 and oh, and then your 2-2 <laughs> two and two record looks, you know, Perfect, because you just edged me on that one. So I'm just looking ahead. How the fuck do we go back to Milwaukee again? I know. Come on. Jesus. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, anything else uh, from you before we get out of here? No. I think that's all for today. All right. It's it, 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 5.50. We, we said we were going to go less time, I think, than we did, but we still got out of here under an hour. It's pretty good for us. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, minor accomplishment. You take a week again. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to go f- see what mess my daughter is making in the other room. Um, everybody out there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast. Um, Andrew's not here to remind me. So I will remind myself. If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe, rate, uh, give us a review. Uh, if you have kind words to say, if not, then, you know, do, do something else. Five stars. Yes. Five, five. Channeling five. my inner Andrew. <laughs> I'm sure he's at this point when he's editing, he's just like, God, John, say it, say it. Say so. But isn't that implied that you want the five star? I think it is, but okay. like, you know, I could see somebody like, all right, well, he told me to write a review. So two stars. Uh, that's fair. Okay. So five stars, write a good review. Um, and most of all, thank you for giving us your time and your attention. And uh, we will be back with you another episode next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.